you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the Chris Voss Show. My voice is not holding up. We're on our third show of the day, and uh, my voice is not holding up, which means all the more reason you people need to listen to the two or three shows we do a weekday, 10 to 15 a week. And the Chris Voss Show has been coming to you for 15 years with all the brightest minds, the CEOs, the billionaires, the authors, the Pulitzer Prize winners, the people who advise Congress and presidents. We've had some of those brilliant minds on the show and then there's you know there's just me so uh i don't know so i got on the show because i own the mic and that's how i got on and i got five dollars per show so um and they named it after me too and so i felt obligated anyway guys uh we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in as always we have the most amazing guests and i'm excited to talk about our guests today we're going to talk about my favorite subject or at least i'm told that if i don't agree it's my favorite subject they will probably eat one of my shoes uh who's a good dog and How to Be a Better Human is the new book that just came out September 6, 2023. Jessica Pierce joins us on the show. And we're we'll talking about her. Uh, she's written quite a few books about dogs and uh, humans. And we're going to find out what it means. And we're all going to learn how to be better humans because that's really what the Chris Voss Show is about. Uh, because we all need that. And especially those of you who have been watching me for listening to me for 15 years know I, I could use some work. Uh, so there you go. Jessica Pierce is an internationally acclaimed bioethicist. Her work spans from broad considerations of human responsibilities for nature to detailed explorations of human-animal relationships. She has published 11 books, 11 books, including The Last Walk and Run, Spot, Run, uh, both also published by the University of Chicago Press. Her essays have appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Guardian, and Scientific American. She's a faculty affiliate at the Center for Bioethics and Humanities at the University of Colorado. Anschutz, is it Anschutz? Anschutz. Anschutz, medical campus. I flunked second grade, as everyone knows, and uh, she didn't. Uh, she lives in the Colorado Rockies. Welcome to the show, Jessica. How are you? Thank you, Chris, for having me. I'm doing well. There you, there you are. And it's wonderful to have you as well. Uh, give us a dot com. So where can people find you on the interwebs to get to know you better? Uh, Jessica Pierce dot, um, dot net. There you go. There you go. And so you've written 11 books. This is your newest book out. What motivated you on a rate? Who's a good dog and how to be a better human? So, yeah, you would think that, um, there, one would run out of things to say about dogs and dog ethics. Um, but the more I think about it, the more I have to say, which maybe that's a scary thing. Um, mm -hmm. Who's a good dog was motivated really by my current dog, Bella, who I've lived with for about 11 years, who is not a good dog by um, cultural standards that are are well accepted today. And, you know, for many years, I thought, you know, what's wrong with Bella? And what's wrong with me for um, having a bad dog? And finally, you know, just the more I thought about it, the more it came to me that Bella is not the problem. Mm. The problem is our unrealistic expectations about dogs and how they should behave and who they are. Mm. And that, that Bella is actually a, a good dog, that all dogs are good dogs. There mm. are no bad dogs. And so I really wanted to focus in on my relationship to her and how she has invited me to be a better human being. There you go. My dogs have helped make me uh, be a better human, help me be more empathetic, helping me connect to be presence. I mean, there's a lot of uh, things I've gone on with my dogs. That they, they've always been by my side and so loyal in their journey and unconditional love. Um, but I'm still trying to get them jobs. Is that what you mean? You can't get Bella to get a job? Because that's what I'm trying to get mine to get a job. They keep laying around the house and not paying rent. No, yeah. 
Well, she actually has a job that she takes very seriously, and oh. that is hurting the family. Oh, she, she's uh, got hurting genes in her. And so she spends her day what I, I describe her in the book as a wee dog, W.E. Uh, wee dog. Oh. Um, and her job is to keep everyone who's in the household, you know, in, in as much the same place as she can. Or, you know, she'll either she'll get us into one room or make sure that she knows where where everybody is and that everybody is accounted for and protect a- us, importantly, from the magpies. Oh, the magpies are evil. We yeah, have those in our backyard. Very dangerous. Yeah, mine do the same thing. So she's kind of a herding dog where she herds you guys kind of like the sheep and and uh, keeps you guys. I, I have this image of you guys being herded around like those Australian sheep dogs do. That, yeah. It's really, that's how it is. Um, wow. she's She's got us under her thumb. Wow. Well, uh, we know who owns the roost, which is probably the same over here. Uh, so give us a 30,000 overview of the book and what's inside, please. So it's about... Um, how to think with more curiosity about your relationship with your dog and how to, um, I mean, I think most of us who live with dogs love our dogs tremendously and worry about what it means to do the right thing for our dog. So my book is not full of answers to the question, what's the right thing to do, but it's full of ideas for how to think about um, and figure out for yourself what you think might be the best way to give your dog um, a happy life. And, you know, I have um, been concerned about pet dogs and because I think they're under a lot of stress right now. I think anxiety levels are high, frustration levels are high, and human expectations of dogs are really off the charts unrealistic. And what happens then is, you know, people think that they have a bad dog and maybe um, punish their dog or try to make their dog into somebody else where maybe a better strategy is to collaborate with our dog and maybe meet them halfway and, um, try to change ourselves and our home environment to meet the dog's needs rather than expecting the dog to always be adapting um, to meet our needs. So it's, it's really about how to do the best we can for the dogs that we love. And it's not an easy job. It's, there's a lot to it. I totally agree. And sometimes there's times where you have dogs that have issues, you know, shelter dogs you might pick up the way they maybe had some abuse and been treated poorly. And, uh, you know, maybe they've been on the streets and they've, yeah. they've picked up some bad habits, but you know, the dogs are, I, in my experience, pretty pliable if you're a good human being to them and you do have to put in the work to train them. They're not like, they just don't come out, you know, to be a certain way. And so it's kind of up to you. I find that, tell me if this is true because I've seen a few people that uh, are very bad people that have dogs that end up behaving badly. Um, It's almost like some dogs are a reflection of, of what kind of human beings we are. Yes. Behavior and characters. Yeah. um, And I think um, especially maybe when it comes to crazy, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> our our crazy mean. gets reflected onto and and into and through our dogs, um, which is understandable. I mean, they're so emotionally synchronized with us and so mm. empathetic that I think um, they're they're often really like sponges for for mm. our emotional chaos um, and psychological. Um, problems. And, you know, I think, um, I think we can be more, more mindful of who we are and in being more mindful about who we are and how we are in the world, we can, um, put less of that baggage onto our dogs. There you go. What, what's, what's that saying that people have seen him joke about on Facebook? It's a meme. Uh, my job in life is to work as hard as I can to be the sort of person my dog thinks I am or yeah. thinks I should be. Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's actually, I mean, it's a, a meme and a cliche, but I think there's a lot to it. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, 
if our human loved ones can't motivate us to be a better person, maybe our dogs can because we really perhaps love them. Yeah, I wouldn't say we love them unconditionally, but maybe with uh, slightly fewer conditions than the humans in our lives. Definitely. I mean, really, I think the only unconditional love one gets uh, in this world, especially as a man, is from a dog. Uh, you know, uh, women, kids, and frogs get, and pets get unconditional love. Uh, men do not. Uh, so that's why they call it a dog is a band's best friend. And so, you know, my dogs, they know they, they're incredibly intuitive in feeling stuff. Like if I'm in pain and I'm suffering, they'll, they'll come in and, you know, start licking me and trying to give me attention, you know, trying to get petted, just trying to take my mind off it, bring me toys. They want to throw the ball or whatever down. Um, sometimes if I'm laying down and I'm hurting or if I'm stressed out about something, it's, it's interesting. Like I, I can go lay down right now and they'll just be like, maybe take a, you know, take a nap or something. And they'll just kind of like, yeah, whatever dad's doing his thing. But if I'm stressing about something and yeah. they don't really know what I'm stressing around, you know, I, I don't know somebody wrote some ugly thing to me on an email and I'm like, whatever. And, uh, so I'll go lay down and stress and they will come in and, you know, start licking with me and cuddling on, on me and, and, and just being my presence and just being a support thing. But then, you know, if I'm not really stressing about anything, they, they just might, they're just like, whatever. they're huskies. So yeah. they're kind of like, you know, we don't care what you do half the time We're, we got <laughs> things to do. Um, but yeah. uh, it's interesting how they, how intuitive they are and they, how they pick yeah. that up. Yeah. They really are. I, I have the same feeling with Bella and, and part of the message in my book is that we can, I think we, we are often less intuitive about how our dogs are feeling mm -hmm. and less in tune with their emotional needs mm -hmm. um, than we could be. And mm -hmm. we can do them the favor of returning the, the sensitivity. And, you know, as an example, I think sometimes our home environments are, are kind of stress inducing for dogs. There are a lot yeah. of, there are a lot of noises that can be, um, that can make dogs feel afraid or unsettled. Even mm. the beeping of a microwave or God forbid in my house, we have an extremely sensitive fire alarm. So anytime right. I'm cooking, not even just, I mean, occasionally I burn stuff, I must admit, but if I just let the oil smoke or something, mm -hmm. um, the fire alarm goes off and it's, it's awful. Poor Bella it takes her several hours to recover. Um, so I try really hard not to, not to do that just for her sake. Um, the smells that we bring into our home, you know, and always giving our dogs baths so that they smell like tea tree oil or lavender, whatever mm. it is that we think they should smell like other than dog. Um, and so I think um, returning the favor that, that your dogs and and my dog show us and just emotional sensitivity there you go my and, and it's really important too you know i i have to learn to listen to my dogs too and what they're stressed about and maybe bella is concerned i can't speak for bella because i don't speak dog but maybe what she's concerned about she knows that it's danger she knows that yeah. there's a potential for danger and and it's interesting how they how they uh intuitive that way but you know um, my, my dogs are great at calling out my hypocrisy. Whenever I'm in the bathroom, they, they tend to come in. I, I can be anywhere in my home and they usually won't bother me unless I'm in my kitchen. Cause that's yeah. treat, that's treat, uh, central. Yeah. That's, that's a very important location. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it's sucker time. We can kill him into giving us treats. He's their treats are right there on the counter. Dad, just hand them over. Um, you know, they'll follow me in the bathroom and give me that hypocrisy look like, you trained us to do this outside, but you get to be in the house and we, you're full of it. You're a hypocrite. Yeah. We just want you to know that we're on to you and your business. And uh, yeah, but uh, no, it, being in touch with them, you know, yesterday, my little one uh, was coming in and, and she was just being really needy. And I finally had to recognize that she was being needy and I didn't know what was going on with her. And I still don't know what was going on with her. I So I had to get up and I tried playing with her. She wanted to play and she just wanted to be petted and kind of cuddle a little bit. Um, I, I still don't know what was going on with her. Uh, maybe she yeah. she wasn't feeling well. But, you know, I had to give her the comfort she usually gives me 
when I'm in pain or when I, while I'm feeling bad, you know, she comes and, Hey dad, you're feeling bad. Here's a, here's a, here's a funny face and a cute smile and a look to cheer you up. And, and here's some kisses on your face to make you feel better. And, and, uh, there you go. Uh, and then you, it kind of helps you become grounded again too. My, I think my dogs help me become grounded and stay present where, um, they kind of remind me of gratitude a little bit to be grounded where I go, Hey, you know what? Um, this hill of beans or that email doesn't matter that pissed me off. Yeah. Matter this wonderful being here that loves me unconditionally and puts up with all my stupidity and stuff and still thinks I'm the greatest dad ever. Uh, you know, th- this is the thing I, that, that matters the most. I don't know. That's my, thing. I agree. I, I, yeah, everything yeah. you say, I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and I think your book's important because being a better human is, is what my docs have taught me. There was a time where I was going through a huge ADHD. I was suffering from a year and a half of doing hospice care for my one dog and, and still in recovery. Um, and I was having problems with being present and I was completely out of tune. My head was screaming at me and I, I could literally be petting my dogs and, and half talking them. And I just would, I was not there. I was just in yeah. the world of, of overwhelm of ADHD thoughts and uh, grief and sorrow of, of uh, all that stuff that goes on through the stages of grief. And I realized that I, I just wasn't present in my own life anymore. Um, there were times with my dogs where uh, I realized that I'd gotten a little bit too narcissistic and I needed more empathy and I needed to be more human. And just their warmth and loving and being human made me realize um, how valuable they were. Uh, loss is important as well. You know, these guys are, these guys are only with us. If you're lucky 10 to 15 years, 16, Yeah. you know, it's a really small window. It is. And as humans, we have to realize that sometimes the time we need to spend with them is, 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 I don't want to say more precious, but it kind of is because, you know, yeah. you, you're the, anything can happen to someone we love. You know, they could be taken away in an accident or, uh, you know, some sort of severe thing that's uh, unfortunate. But dogs pretty much are on a solid timeline. They're pretty much on a 10 to 15 year timeline. So their time is really short that they spend with us. Yeah. And they, you know, they, whether willingly or not, they give us their entire life. Yeah. Um, And you can't say that about. You know, a spouse, you, mm-hmm. you're only with as an adult um, and maybe not even for your an entire adult life. Your child grows up and goes off, hopefully, and becomes yeah. an independent person. <laughs> um, Get them out so, of that basement. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the rent's going up tomorrow. Um, huh. and, and I think that's, that's one thing that, to me... Um, triggers a real sense of gratitude um, for Bella is she's given me her entire life mm-hmm. and I'm it. And mm-hmm. the quality of her life is in my hands. And that's a huge responsibility. It's kind of stressful actually. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one of the things I, the themes that I try to explore in the book is just the, you know, this feeling that, there's always more you could be doing. And there are things like, like leaving a dog home alone, which mm-hmm. are just kind of painful. And yeah. I think make almost everybody I know who has a dog feels uncomfortable leaving them at home. They feel bad. You know, when they're gone, they're thinking about their dog who's left at home alone while they're out, you know, at a party or whatever it is. Um, and so there's a lot of guilt and, um, uncertainty that gets woven into the human dog relationship. And I think um, it's, it's helpful to just take those emotions head on. Say, yeah. you know, it is, uh, you know, we have to realize that we have all of our friends, you know, we've got people we can talk to online. We've got people yeah. we can go hang out with. We've got family that we can leave the house with, you know, a lot of the world isn't, isn't dog friendly and uh, i mean you you can take your dogs with you but i mean there's stores you can't go into i yeah. always would love to 
I've always joked about having a dog gym where there's like a doggy daycare and a gym. Like yeah. they have us for babies. You can put your baby in the dog. That's a really good idea. Daycare for a gym. That has, have that a, has to a, exist somewhere. I think uh, yeah. maybe it possibly could be some people have dog allergies and they never be able to join the gym. Yeah, but that's true. That's not my problem. That's their problem. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I'd love to take my dog. I'd take my dogs everywhere if I could. And, you know, sometimes there's a danger. I worry about them running away. Uh, you know, you don't want to leave them in a car, of course, and different things. You want to make sure they're having a good time. And sometimes, you know, my older dogs got to the point where they didn't really want to go in a car anymore. They, they reached yeah. the point of age where they're just like, I just want to take out a good nap. They're kind of like me now. I just want to yeah. take a good nap and screw the world. I got I got sleep. Um, yeah. Bella's at that point now. She just yeah. doesn't. Doesn't have much interest in going anywhere, which is really sad. Um, well, but also yeah. that's her choice. Yeah. So, yeah, as long as you're there for her. But, you know, being important, like, you know, we have to play the Chris Voss Show podcast when I leave the house uh, so that they don't get too upset. My little baby one, she she's she's a daddy's girl, so she's not happy. My older one is like, yeah, whatever with that dude. Screw him. I mean, again, Siberian husband. Get out of here and give me some peace. Yeah. Siberian Huskies, you know, they're just like, yeah. you know, they're just like, well, yeah, whatever you, you, you're just, uh, you know, you give them commands and they're just like, yeah, we'll take that under advisement. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cute. Yeah, yeah. You got some ideas there, buddy. Yeah. Have fun with that. We'll be back. We'll get back to you on that. Yeah. Um, but, we'll see uh, if it aligns with our agenda. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. That's, that sounds like Bella yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but yeah, being, a, I think, I think you and, uh, in helping people educate on and educate them on being in tune to their dog, what's important to them. The emotions of the dogs are important as well. You know, I, I, I babysat my dog through, uh, a year and a half of hospice care with cancer. And, uh, so, you know, dealing with her emotions, being attuned to what she was going through every day and then trying to have fun or, you know, sometimes she'd want to yeah. play and other times she want to sleep. But yeah, these little beings are only with us for a short time. And so I like, um, I like, you know, what you've talked about here. What is, what is bio, what is a bioethicist? Yeah. So what does it mean? So bioethics is a field that it, it's not somebody who studies dogs and ethics. Um, that that's not an obvious um, job description for a bioethicist. It's just, it's kind of the niche that I have grown into over the course of my career. But um, bioethics is uh, also known as medical ethics. And it's the, a field that explores questions of values and ethics and philosophical issues that arise at the intersection of um ethics and the biomedical sciences. So for example, you know, one of the classic issues in bioethics is how do you fairly distribute scarce medical resources or, mm -hmm. you know, how do you, how do you deal with um, issues at the end of life where there may be a conflict between quality of life and quantity of life? Yeah. Is it, is it ever okay to hasten somebody's death or, you know, is euthanasia okay? Um, mm. And obviously there's an overlap there with, with how we relate to and interact with animals. And that's actually how I first started writing about animals as a bioethicist was in the context of end of life care. And, you know, we have this really rich conversation in human philosophy circles in bioethics about human end of life issues. And there wasn't that same rich conversation about animal end of life care. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in my experience with my dog, when he was dying, the, the ethical issues were every bit as complex and painful and complicated um, as they are in the human realm. I'm like, mm -hmm. so why, you know, let's talk about, animal euthanasia and the, mm -hmm. the ethics of that and hospice care and the mm -hmm. ethics of that. And, and here now, I am. That's a, Is that in, the, in this book or? No, that's in my book, The Last Walk. Okay. The Last yeah. Walk. There you go. You know, that was something I, I dealt with. And, and, and if you don't mind, I'd like to talk about it a little sure. bit because I want people yeah. to give this more thought. There, 
one of the things that I, I found with, you know, as dog owners, we get that comment that I, I think you would agree we, we dislike when people go, it's just a dog, right? <laughs> That's the that worst thing anybody could say. It really lacks a soul, soul and empathy. Yeah. Um, and, and seeing uh, a living being is completely disposable. Uh, you know, I, uh, is, is, is pretty incredible or just not having an empathy for something suffering. Um, and one of the challenges I dealt with was with my, with my dog at, well, I, early on, uh, my dog, uh, got one of these weird, um, infections and cysts in her neck inside. Uh, and it started, it started showing itself in the jawline and yeah. it was, a weird anomaly that basically there are sometimes infections that can happen between organs. So they're not hmm. in the organ per se, they're in between in just this floating cell structure. And, uh, so we had, um, uh, we, you know, I took her into three doctors, two of them were saying, you got to put her down. Uh, yep. She got cancer. You got to put her down. Look, you can spend all this money to get, you know, all the stuff done, but your dog's 14 years old. You know, come on, dude, quit being a jerk to your dog. Literally, that's what they told me. This is only yeah, verbatim. Uh, put your dog down. And I had this weird, cheap, almost back alley type type doctor. In fact, they, they shut him down for about three weeks because he, he wasn't keeping his records right. But he was a great doctor, brilliant. Um, and he was just bad at the business and the things, I guess. But I remember I walked in and he looked at my dog. He said, walk around. He used to do that. Walk around. Show me how she's yeah. working. So, and uh, then he they looked at her, and he goes, um, "Yeah, um, I think she's going to be okay. Uh, take her home and uh, see if we can get through this." And I'm like, "What do you? I got two doctors telling me to put my dog down. I got one doctor telling me everything's fine, and he thinks it's going to be fine. And he was really bad at communicating. He was uh, he was from China or somewhere over in the Asian area, and um." Uh, and I was just stuck and we gave her penicillin and, it, and the penicillin wouldn't work. And so like, it has to be cancer. The penicillin's not doing it. It's gotta be cancer. And this thing just kept getting bigger and bigger on her neck right here. And, um, so I just, I, I had people writing me on Facebook privately, you know, you need to quit being a jerk. You need to put your dog down, you know, you, you're extending its life and blah, blah, blah. And the, my Chinese doctor, he's like, you know, that dog's still running around. The dog's still having fun. The dog's still peeing and pooping. Everything's working in the plumbing. He goes, I think I know what it is, but you just got to ride it out. And he, I don't think he knew what the term was for. There was actually a term for this infection. Um, and uh, so I, I resisted the two other doctors that kept telling me to put her down. I kept rotating the three doctors trying to get the right opinion. And I would tell them what the other one said. And they're like, that dude's crazy, man. And, uh, so we wrote it out and, uh, Christmas day, you know, I kept having so much pressure online to put her down Christmas day or it was the day before Christmas, the day after Christmas. And it had grown fairly large, almost to a, about a golf ball size. And I'm like, holy crap, this is, she doesn't seem like she's having any fun. She didn't seem like she was in too much pain. And so I made the decision. I was going to take her the next morning and put her down and do what the other guys were telling me. And I announced it on Facebook. I said, I'm going to go put her down tomorrow. I, I don't know what to do. Everyone's telling me, you know, whatever. And just everybody was running me around. And uh, we woke up the next morning and blood was coming out a side of her gums right here. And, and so we cleaned it all up and I rushed her over to the doctor, uh, the Chinese doctor. And he goes, yep, it's just what I thought it was. He goes, uh, it's a special infection that runs between the organs and it just needed to get air so that we could fix it. Huh. And it, it wasn't responding to the penicillin. It was just in, it, it, all it was, was it was like, it, it wasn't an infection really. It was like a, it was like some sort of cyst growth or something. And once it, once it, there was infection, cause once it got air, killed it. So, uh, just like, you know, you can get a wound to, to scratch to open up and that's all it was she lived for another three years after that wow well i'm glad you didn't listen to the the advice of yeah. facebook friends or or veterinarians or some of the veterinarians yeah. yeah you know i i had a similar experience with Odie, not in terms of what was wrong with him but just in terms of getting really really different um 
opinions from whichever vet I went to. I, you know, I'd go to one and they'd say, yeah, he's suffering. You should put him down immediately. It's cruel to keep him alive anymore. And I, then I'd go like, I didn't like that answer. Yeah. That didn't feel right to me. So I'll go to another one who says, oh, you, it's wrong to put an animal down ever. Don't ever do that. And then like, I've got that on my shoulders. Like that didn't seem quite right either. Um, and yeah, you, the realm of animal hospice care is, is a realm of a lot of unsolicited yeah. <laughs> opinions from people in your life who probably are well-meaning. But I think what your story highlights is the person who lives with and knows a dog is the in the best position usually to make decisions about how their quality of life is. And that's ultimately what you were doing. You were, you know, her quality of life seems intact. Mm. Um, we've got this problem, but it's not overwhelming her with suffering so much that she's not still enjoying her life. And, yeah. um, and it's hard when you're getting, having people tell you, and I had people tell me this too, that you're, you're torturing your dog by keeping yeah. him alive. Um, that's, you know, just a piece of advice for people. Don't, don't say that to somebody else. It's not helpful. Yeah. Plus you're um, not seeing, they're, they're not seeing what you're going through with the dog. Yeah. Day -day. Although you know? I, I will say on the other hand, um, I think maybe what was motivating your veterinarians and also maybe motivating some of the the Facebook comments mm -hmm. is that sometimes we do drag things out for an animal because it's so hard to let go. Mm -hmm. um, and we have trouble processing our own grief and mm -hmm. we kind of let that overshadow our decision-making. Mm -hmm. And I, that happened to me a little bit with Odie too. I think we probably didn't act quite as soon as we should have mm -hmm. to hasten his death. I don't know. How, how do you know? Um, you, it's hard because they can't talk to you. you know? It's hard. Yeah. But, and, you know, part of me thinks it's never right to, to make that yeah. choice for an animal. But I'm not sure I believe that either. This is why I like the the idea, and that's why I told my story. Um, is is the idea that you are doing this bioethicist stuff because we need to have some better guidelines, I think, for for our dogs. Like with humans, we'd never do that. I mean, with humans, we we make you live even if you don't wanna. I know. Like, if you're in a coma yeah. or you're just like, just don't plug me, damn it. They're like, no, we're not gonna no, plug you. Sorry. It's law. sorry. <laughs> You know, why do, why do we have that sort of ethics towards Yeah, that? it's it's really interesting. I um the the comparison of how we treat animals at the end of life where it seems like the reigning philosophy is you're better off dead. Yeah. Where as in with humans it's you know, oh my god, you know, we we cannot be part of that um that action, that, you know, taking right. somebody's life. Um, we seem very willing to do that with animals, um, which is, is strange that we don't have that same resistance. Um, there seems to be yeah. a disposability, and I don't know if that's the right scientific word, but in your bioethicism, yeah. there seems to be a disposability to them because they're not human. Right, uh, and I, yeah, one thing that I think, is going on kind of in the background of conversations and thinking about animal euthanasia is the history of um, our our relationship with stray animals and the the evolution of a practice in sheltering um, mm. of euthanizing animals. Uh, euthanasia is the wrong word. It's it's really dispatching <laughs> killing Dispatch, yeah. um killing animals who are not part of the population of pets for whatever reason mm -hmm. because they don't behave the way they should or they're not pedigreed or whatever it is 
Um, and those, the reasons why dogs are excluded from citizenship change over time. But um, I think we have this really strong connection of euthanasia is an act of, or killing is an act of mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise these animals would be um, kept alive in, in the pound um, or would die on the streets. And it's, it's a narrative that's got a lot of holding power. I think it's problematic in a lot of ways, but definitely it's, it's there in our background. So I think we have this connection with, you know, killing an animal is an act of mercy. And we still yeah. say that about the, the killing of millions of dogs in shelters, that it's an act of mercy on our part, which is kind of strange when you think about it. There you go. Um, I'll tell you another story that gave me an epiphany, epiphany into how dogs work um, and bioethicism. Um, my, my last dog, she, this is the same dog that survived earlier, the, the, uh, the infection and, uh, she got anal sac cancer and, um, and I couldn't figure out, uh, she was having trouble pooping and there's blood. And I was like, what's going on? Uh, she was, you know, 15, 16 at that point. So she's pretty old for a Husky, um, pretty long run. And so we took her into the dock and the doc, you know, did his test on her. He came back. He goes, I got bad news. She's got anal sac cancer. I've checked her out. She's probably filled with cancer on the inside. Uh, it's, I can feel, you know, multiple cysts or whatever they call them in their polyps. And, uh, and uh, you're probably, oh, that was the other thing. She'd quit eating for mm-hmm. like uh, several weeks and she was drinking like a fish. Because she has to, she had some buildup of cancer that the cancer, the calcium in the blood that the cancer does to destroy the kidney and liver, and um, so he said, you know, I explained to him she's she quit eating, and he goes, hey, listen, when dogs stop eating, that means they're done, de- they're done, and uh, the drinking means she's filled with cancer. She's trying to offset the pituitary glands, uh, giving too much calcium in the blood that kills the liver and organ. Cancer doesn't kill a dog. Cancer puts forth the mechanisms to kill itself, which is really kind of a suicide when you think about it. It's really yes, weird. it is. And so he goes, he goes, here's what you need to do. Uh, he goes, take three days, go, go say goodbye, spend the time, come back and we're going to call the ball. And I said, okay. And it hit me like a locomotive because we went from happy dog to three days. And I said, what's the alternative? He goes, well, listen, the alternative is, is um, for one, I can tell on the inside, um, you know, even if they were to, to cut out, you know, the, the front uh, of the anal cancer that we're seeing growing, um, it would probably be too big of a hole. And he goes, if you did cancer, you're looking at like 5,000 cancer treatments uh, for the leukemia or whatever they call it, the radioactive stuff. You're looking at yeah. every day she'd have to come in or every couple of days she's going to have to come in. They're going to needle her up. They're going to pump her full of crap. They're going to, she's going to feel like shit. And you're just torturing your dog, dude. You're just, you're just, tor- she's 14, man. You gave it a good run, call the ball, whatever. And so I, and she wasn't eating. So I, I was like, okay, well, I guess, I don't know. I'll, I'll go take three days. Um, and um, the cost was going to be extraordinary to put her through the thing. But he's like, he's like, dude, just putting her through surgery and the torture. What, what are you doing? She's an old dog. But I mean, you wouldn't say that about your old mom, no. right? You wouldn't say, hey, mom needs a new hip or a new kneecap. Uh, eh, well, you know, she's she's had a good run, you know. And what were the ethics there? And so uh, I went home and I started reading everything about what she had, had, a, had and tried to understand it and master it. And I found uh, people online that said they had solved the cancel issues of their dogs by going on a raw, all-meat, high-fat diet. And I said, fuck it. She's got a death wish. What do we have to lose? We got three days. Yeah. What do we have to lose? So uh, I tried it. I went and got high fat, those nasty hamburger beef rolls and put her on. Yeah. It. We tried tuna fish. Yeah. She loved it. She started eating again. She ate it like she had like three plates of it. And I was like, what is this here? So let's keep going. So later on, I took, I took a, went back to the vet and the vet goes, she's eating it. That's kind of interesting. Well, hmm. Why don't you run with it? And he said, I think maybe I misdiagnosed her, but why don't you see 
how far this goes and let's just keep monitoring. They gave me some infection stuff and they gave me, uh, I think some pain medication for her and, uh, uh, some other things. So I started feeding that to her every day and we started feeding this diet and she started eating like it was going out of style. And she went back to being a fun dog running around. We still could see the cancer growing on the back of her thing. Now I'll try to skip through a bunch of stuff, but at the end of about a year, I know she was having trouble standing up and she was falling over and she was having all sorts of issues because the cancer was there. I was like, okay, well the cancer is getting into her legs. So I, we made the decision announcement to have her put down. We went into the doctors and the doctor says, oh, you want to put her down? And I go, yeah. And they go, uh, what's she still doing? She's still running around peeing, pooping, chasing treats. I'm like, yeah, but she's falling down now. She can't stand up. And he goes, you mind if we check her? I mean, I know you want to put her down, but you mind if we check her? And I go, yeah, sure. <laughs> do what you want. I don't, I don't want to do this. And so they took her in the back and he comes back. He goes, hey, man, she's got bad arthritis, really hmm. bad arthritis. And if she's running around peeing and pooping and everything's functioning and stuff, we're pretty sure she's not ready to go. Uh, we think we just need to give her some good medication for arthritis and she'll get walking again. And I'm like, are you, I came here to put her down. I filled the paperwork. Gosh. I paid the fee. Yikes. I paid the fee. I announced it on Facebook. And, but here's what he said to me that, that gave me this epiphany that I, I set up and blew me away. He goes, listen, man, he goes, we don't think that your dog's ready to get put down. And we don't think she's ready yet. But if you're ready, if you can't take this, if you can't go down this road, mm -hmm. then we get it and we'll put her down. And I was like, holy shit. There's some people who give up early on their dogs because it's harder on them than it is for the dog. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think there are two. There's a spectrum there. Like, I think there are people who choose euthanasia for a dog who still has good living to do because they don't have the patience hmm. or the drive, um, or they don't value their dog's life that much, I guess, to put it bluntly. I think on the other hand, you know, decisions about euthanasia are always made in the context of the limitations of people's resources. And mm -hmm. um, one of those is, you know, just caregiving, the burden of caregiving. And that's physical, emotional, financial, um, and there, you know, it's this really fine balance between what an animal needs and mm -hmm. what we have to give. And, you know, with, with hospice care for an animal, it's often, you know, we don't have with humans, we have a wonderful hospice support system. Yeah. You have nurses coming to to offer care and you have social workers and you have spiritual guidance and you have doctors coming in and all of this it, amazing <laughs> contribution um, and help. And you even have um, people who come in and give respite care, let you go out and go shopping or just go for a walk or do some self-care. And with animals, you don't have any of that support. Yeah. So it's really, it's all on you. And um, sometimes the caregiving needs of an animal are greater than what, what a person can offer. And, you know, at that point, maybe euthanasia is the most compassionate path for everybody. Yeah. And it was interesting to me when he said those words. But yeah. if you're, if you're, you know, if you're ready and you can't do this, and, and I remember that, thinking, yeah. what, what, it, here's a dog that loves me unconditionally. They'll probably never give up on me. And even when I've been a bad dad, ignored them or, you know, gone on trips and not been back and, and, and sometimes just been not present, not there, not attentive of their needs. Yeah. They still love me. And yet in their dark moment, you know, they've been through me 10, 15 years of dark moments and all my trials and tribulations and, and, you know, I, I've had people say to me, you know, well, oh my God, dogs are so much work. I'm like, no, I've been a lot of work for 10 to 15 years. Most of my dogs, they yeah. haven't worked for me until yeah. in the end when their health starts to fail. And uh, yeah, okay. I got 
Abby had lived for, I think, 16 years by the time she got done. The funny, the interesting thing about that story is she lived for, she was supposed to only stay alive for three days to be put down. She lived for a year and a half in hospice care with me. That's great. Now, the, took, cancer, yeah. the cancer did get bigger, and it's hard to see it grow um, on the outside of your dog. Most times when you see cancer, you see on the inside. But you know what got her on the end? The arthritis. The yeah. arthritis got her in the end. And in the end, she let me know. Like she yeah. came to me and she was like, I'm tired. I'm beat. I'm done. It's time to call the ball. Yeah. Did you actually, was there a, a really clear moment where you knew was. or was yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. It was when she was collapsing on the floor and dragging and uh, the cyst was bleeding because it had grown large enough. And there was a, her face really changed and her, and her nature changed and she looked, she was like she get had had suddenly gone fifty years yeah. older and was more gray, and she just came to me and got my face and was like, you know, this is it, I'm done. Yeah. She she you know she just couldn't get up anymore and she was dragging about and uh, and uh, uh, it just wasn't fun anymore. You know, she couldn't run yeah. for treats until then. The docs, the docs for a year and a half were just amazed. They're like. Hey, if she's running, pooping, peeing, you call her for yeah. treats. She comes. Yeah. She's eating. You know, she would eat a whole thing of meat. And uh, and um, most people don't know, cancer loves sugar. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. and it hates fat. And so, giving your body, giving your dogs the fat they wanted. Um, and I've actually saved, like, a ton of dogs with this diet. Just a high fat, all meat, all meat diet. And uh, high fat and... Um, uh, and feeding them, you know, they're, they're carnivores. They're, they were raised on that. They don't, they don't eat carrots. They're not vegetarians. And so uh, feeding on that, I found a there was a there was a bunch of people who saved their dogs from cancer this way or delayed. You, you're never really going to beat cancer because it's going to come back, um, whether you're human or, or dog. But I found a, a, um, uh, it was basically a hospice care shelter uh, save your dog place that so you could just go give your dog mm -hmm. to if you didn't want to deal with the cancer yeah. part of it. And they were feeding him this raw diet. And I was like, well, mm -hmm. shit, try it. But yeah, it was really interesting to me. Um, and she came to me, I, she knew it was time and she was, yeah. I mean, she couldn't go up and go potty. She was dragging across the floor. We gave it about three days to see if she'd come back. Cause we were going through kind of ups and downs at that point where she dragged, but then the next day she'd be fine. And, and uh and when we went into the vet that last time they went yeah dude she's she knows she's done she yeah. wants you to let it go so is yeah. that well yeah. your story is really i mean it's really inspirational and is a good um a good reminder that hospice is really an end of life care for animals is limited only by our imagination and mm -hmm. you know what we can there is so much information available online there are wonderful veterinarians who focus their career on hospice care for animals and they they know about things like special diets mm -hmm. and you know how how to deal effectively with pain from arthritis and so I think um, being able to access a veterinarian who has those skills can be yeah. immensely helpful. And there's just a lot of good information on the internet. I and mean, there's a lot of bad information too, of course, yeah. but um, there's a lot of good information and a lot of good, um, I mean, you're, when you were talking, one thing that um, was coming to my mind were um, these tools that have been developed by veterinarians for assessing a dog's quality of life, you mm. know, as long as we use them mindfully. Um, yeah. But, you know, how do you know if a dog is still, still wants to stay alive? Um, and so they give you various things to, to look at, like, you know, appetite is important, but it's not the only thing. Yeah. And if your dog is refusing to eat as as you found you know it's there are a lot of things you can do short of euthanasia you can mm -hmm. try a different food because they might just not be liking what they're eating or maybe whatever medical issues they're facing will be you know you'll be better off with a certain kind of diet and yeah. 
there are drugs that you can use as with humans to, to increase appetite and so forth. So there are just a lot of things you can do short of just saying, oh, my dog won't eat, therefore euthanasia is the answer. Yeah. And, and, and I think they intuitively know, maybe they don't know, but maybe their bodies know that this isn't helping me. You know, if you're giving that, that awful over the counter food and blah, 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 you know, they're, they're kind of like, Hey, this isn't, this isn't helping me. Anyway, uh, it's been wonderful to have you on again. I didn't realize this. I remember you sounded familiar. I know we were trying to get you on for a while, but we actually had you on for a dog's world back in 2021. Yeah, I've definitely have yeah. been here. <laughs> I, uh, we, we do two, three shows a day. We did 655 <laughs> shows last year in 260 days. So I can't feel my legs anymore. So that's my apologies insane. for not remembering you. No, but that's I remember okay. your book and your stuff. And, <laughs> and when I saw the bio, oh, that's just as, I was I like, I wait. wasn't very memorable, Chris. No, you were. Because when I, I heard the bioethicist, I said, wait. Because we chased you for a while. I think we chased you for two books back. Because uh, I remember we chased you, trying to get you on for one book, and we couldn't get you. And I'm like, I love dogs. I like that we're on. And then I think we got you for a dog's world. And I think you rescheduled once, and we weren't sure if you were coming back. We got you rescheduled. I don't know what it was. but Anyway, um, here I am. There you go. So we've got two shows in the can from you. Uh, Jessica, give us your .com so people can find you on the internet. Um, www.jessicapierce.net. And I have a blog on Psychology Today's site called all dogs go to heaven which mm -hmm. you know relevant to the conversation today there you go so those are the and that's easy to find just google psychology today all dogs go to heaven jessica pearson it will take you right there, you there. i hope my dogs went to hell because evidently that's where i'm going according to religious people and i want to make sure i see my dogs so yeah they're, know, but they're I know going they're... wherever you are or maybe <laughs> you're going where they are yeah either way but i know there's that catholic a thing place filled with filled with treats and balls and squirrels and other good dog stuff they better have treats and stuff there because if i show up empty-handed there's they're gonna be some disappointments like seriously bro you didn't stop by pet smart on the way here shame on you <laughs> like, i got hit by a car what do you want from me <laughs> anyway go back get what get yeah. our stuff yeah, and then you can come in yeah that was that movie heaven can wait from the 70s uh thank you very much jessica for being yeah, on the you're show welcome. Really it was appreciate nice to it. be here and uh folks order up the book wherever fine books are sold jessica pierce who's a good dog and how to be a better human september 6 2023 weirdly enough uh somebody from my household got a hold of my credit card and ordered the book already. Um, and I think my dogs are trying to tell me something. So I was wondering why there's paw prints on my keyboard. So there you go. Uh, take care of your pups. They're the, they're the most important things you'll have in your life and they'll be the best things for you. And that's why it hurts so bad when they're gone, but you're blessed and should be grateful that you can have something that love you so much. That'll make that big of a difference in your life. Be good to each other, stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks everyone. And that should have a sound.